Welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. We hope today's message encourages you and strengthens your walk with God. Enjoy the message. We just want to encourage you guys. I just think that church wasn't meant to be endured. I believe that church was meant to be enjoyed. Amen? And man, I'm telling you what, like God has spoken to me clearly this past week and I've had this word just boiling and and being on the inside of me, I feel like it's a fire in my bones, and I just have to get it out. I can't be at peace until I get this out, because I believe that this word is for somebody today. Maybe you're watching online. Can we put our hands together for the online audience? I believe that God wants to speak to you, and I'm so excited, so pumped up, and I pray that's a blessing to you guys today. And uh, all right, y'all. With that being said, who's enjoyed this semester, y'all? The spring semester. Today marks the day of the last day of our spring semester. And we've been talking about, you know, we started off talking about the DNA community, then the process of purpose. And right now we're studying and looking at the life of the Apostle Paul. Somebody say Paul. Paul. Who's been impacted by this semester so far these past three months? And it's incredible. And we're going to have a time to hang out in the youth area afterward. We have games and... Uh, food and photo booths. So don't just leave after service. Feel free to go back there, hang out, have a good time with your church family. But today, I don't want to preach too long to you guys today. So I want to encourage you, the more that you respond, the quicker you're probably going to get out of here because I'm thinking to myself, okay, you're getting what's being said and what's being taught. So anyways, I don't do it for the applause, y'all. I do it for the cause, for the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen. We, everything we do is for Jesus, but it's going to be a great day, y'all. All right. So today, it's the final message of the process of purpose, and today we find the Apostle Paul at a point in his life where he is in prison. He's around the age of 60, and he's at the end of his life, and this is after Paul had an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road, after the 14 years of preparation, after him traveling thousands of miles, planting churches, standing before kings, standing before governors, preaching the gospel, doing what some would think is impossible. Doing the unthinkable. God did miracles, signs, and wonders. God did so many mighty works through the Apostle Paul. Someone who was once a killer of Christians was now a pioneer and builder of the body of Jesus Christ. Who thinks that's awesome? And what amazes me about the Apostle Paul is this, is how even towards the end of his life, while he is in prison, he is still doing some of his best work. In fact, during one of Paul's imprisonments, he wrote books like Colossians and Ephesians and Philemon and the book of Philippians. Somebody say Philippians. You do know that's known as the book of joy. And he wrote it while bound up and chained up under arrest. I don't know. I think it's ironic to me. And it's interesting because you think that Paul would write the book of joy while on a beach somewhere, just chilling out, sweet tea in his hand, kicked back, relaxed and saying, God is so good. Be joyful, right? But no, he, he's chained up and he, he's in prison and he's writing about the book of joy. And that already blesses my soul this morning and encourages me because that tells me that we may not be able to control our situation, but we can control our spirit. You may not be able to, to control or dictate what's happening around you many times, but you can dictate what's happening on the inside because you have the spirit of God in you, the spirit and one of the attributes of the Spirit, one of the fruit of the Spirit, is the spirit of self-control. But today, I want us to focus on what scholars believe was Paul's last letter that he had ever written. 
and that's the book of 2 Timothy. Somebody say 2 Timothy. And we're going to be focusing on chapter 4, verses 5 through 8. And Paul is writing to a young minister that he has invested into by the name of Timothy. And I want you to imagine this. Paul is writing this while in a dark and damp and deep Roman prison cell. And he's writing this letter to a young minister by the name of Timothy. He had been traveling. Paul had been traveling. He had been arrested. He had been put in prison. This is his final imprisonment. If you don't mind standing to your feet this morning in honor of reading God's word. Anybody ready for the word today? Come on. Hey, the grass withers, the flower fades, but God's word stands forever. Amen. 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 5 through 8. Paul's last letter. It says this. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. Other translations say I'm being poured out as a drink offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all, somebody say me, who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Who knows that Jesus Christ is coming back one day? But I want us to focus on verse 6, where it says this. Paul says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. The title for today's message is this, Pour It Out. This isn't just a suggestion. I believe that this is a commission from God not to hold anything back whenever it comes to following after Jesus, whenever it comes to your faith. We don't want to have one foot in, one foot out. We don't want to be Lukewarm. No, we want to be people that are passionate, that are on fire for Jesus, that are willing to do whatever it takes to follow after him and please him and pour everything out. Do we have any people in here that are going to say, you know what, I'm going to pour everything out for Jesus. I'm not going to hold anything back. And Somebody say pour it out. Before we take a seat, let's pray, Lord Jesus. Thank you for today. We praise you. We honor you. We worship you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord for what you've done in our lives. Thank you for bringing us here together. It's not by any accident, God, that we are here today, God, that somebody's watching online today. Speak through your word, Lord. Right now, we have our hearts open to receive, God. The soil is tilled. The soil is ready now. God, let your work, God, let your word be deposited in somebody's heart. Do what I can't do, God, and that's change the heart of man. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Go ahead. Before you take a seat, turn to the person next to you and say, let's get to work this morning. Let's get to work this morning. Man, I'm pumped. I'm so excited to preach to you guys. I'm not going to try to talk so fast and, and try to resist walking and moving around because the camera team loves me. They're like, can we put our hands together for the stream and everything that they do? And I'm probably like, you know. All right, Paul, Paul. The apostle Paul was right. The time of his death was very near. He was right. The time of his death was very near, and he uses his time to preach one final message. 
if you had one last chance or one last conversation to talk with someone that you loved and you hold dear, what, what would you say to them? For Paul, he writes to Timothy and he encourages Timothy to stay strong in his faith. He tells Timothy how God has radically impacted his life, the grace and mercy and love of God. He tells Timothy, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I, I have kept the faith, and now I have an eternal reward. I, I have a prize waiting for me in heaven, and therefore I'm being poured out, and I'm pouring myself out as a drink offering unto God. And it is said shortly after Paul wrote this letter in 2 Timothy that in 68 AD, the apostle Paul would be decapitated. He would be beheaded in Rome by the Caesar of that time. His name was the Emperor Nero. Somebody say Nero. I want to talk about Nero a little bit. Nero, the emperor Nero, he was known for killing Christians on a regular basis. In fact, he was notorious for throwing Christians into coliseums to be torn apart and shred apart by lions just for entertainment. And if that's not evil enough, he would also take Christians and hang them up on poles in his palace, pour oil over their head, light them on fire just to be used as night lamps to give light during the parties that, we'd, that he would have outside in his garden area. Nero was rolling at one point whenever there was a fire that took place called the Great Fire of Rome, and you can look into this, where about 70% of Rome was burned to the ground and many people died. And some people said, you know, Nero was the one who started the fire and that Nero played an instrument while looking over his empire that was burning to the ground because shortly after that, he used that as an opportunity to expand his palace. But that can't be proven. But regardless, the emperor Nero used that fire as an opportunity to push his political agenda. Guess what? He blamed it on the Christians. He said the Christians did it and he murdered Christians because of it. He saw Jesus as a threat. He saw the apostle Paul as a threat. He saw Christianity as a threat. And he killed a lot of people. Nero was the Caesar at the time. He was wicked and evil and corrupt. And he was the most powerful man on the planet. And the apostle Paul knew that he was coming for him. That he was coming for his neck. And what's interesting is that earlier in Paul's ministry, an angel appears to Paul. And he tells Paul, Paul, you must stand before Caesar. You're going to stand before Caesar one day, Paul. And Paul desired to go to Rome because... Rome was the beating hearts of the ancient world, and if the gospel could be spread in Rome, that means that the gospel could be spread all across the globe. And Paul went to Rome twice, and whenever he went to Rome, he went as a prisoner. And even though he went as a prisoner, the gospel of Jesus Christ was still spread across Rome to the point where some of Nero's household becomes converted to Christianity. They put their faith in Jesus, the apostle Paul tells us. So despite Nero's attempt to eradicate and take out and halt and stop the church, Christianity, the Apostle Paul, the church still thrived. You know, it's been said that the church is like a lily pad. And follow along with me. It may sound like a funny example. But I'm sure you've seen a lily pad before, right? It's like the plant that the frogs hang out on, like in a pond or lake or whatever. But they say that whenever you pluck one lily pad out, because they spread and multiply like crazy, that 10 more are going to rise up to take its place. And isn't that just like the church of Jesus Christ, that every time the enemy tries to attack us and persecute us and push us back, the church just gets stronger? 
Every time people or politicians try to shut us up or shut us down, the church just gets louder. Even Jesus, whenever Jesus was crucified on the cross over 2,000 years ago at the hands of the religious leaders during that time, that didn't stop the mission of God and the commission of Jesus. Because all that happened was that sparked and started the greatest movement of all time. It didn't stop it. I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, where Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. I came to tell you today, maybe you feel like you're being attacked. You feel a conflict. You feel like you're being persecuted. You're trying to follow after Jesus. You're trying to do things right. You're trying to just get your life in order, and you feel like you're being attacked. Can I tell you something? And let me encourage you with this. What the enemy does whenever he persecutes you, all he is doing is advancing the calling and destiny and plan and purpose of God in your life. Your God is unstoppable. Don't be discouraged. No weapon formed against you shall prosper in Jesus' name. For Nero, Nero probably thought that by killing Paul, the most influential Christian at the time, that he'd probably put a stop to Christianity. But all that happened was it was multiplied. Because whenever Paul was martyred, many Christians rose up to take his place. And if it wasn't for Paul pouring everything out, for Jesus, pouring everything out for the mission and calling of God for his life, you and I probably wouldn't be in this building today. We probably wouldn't be saved today if it wasn't for a man who traveled and preached and ministered and brought the gospel to Rome, the first missionary. And I came to tell you today that you are a product of many men and women of God from centuries past that poured out their literal life, their talents, their abilities, what God had poured into them. We can't take this faith for granted. We can't take our relationship with God for granted. Don't you understand that people have died for the gospel? People have died preaching and ministering, going overseas, being persecuted, but yet they were like, I know I have a reward in heaven. Paul poured it all out. God has poured into you. And before I talk about us pouring out to God, because I just want to talk about this morning. Somebody say pour it out. I want to talk about how God has first poured into you. Come on, guys, you go ahead and bring up the illustration. I have something I want to show you guys this morning. Come on, can we put, can we put our hands together for them as they bring everything up? Awesome. If God poured into us, how much more should we pour out and pour for him? Come on, we got a number of props. I want you guys to really get this this morning. Maybe we should have set it up beforehand, but they're going to bring it all up right now. Come on, guys, put your hands together for them still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Gary, Luke, Stormy, Pastor CJ with the water hose. Awesome, awesome. There we go. Some of you are like, what's about to happen? Is that why nobody's sitting on the front row right here? Because they're afraid that's a splash zone or what? Don't be afraid, y'all. If anything, you'll just get splashed by my spit. That's it. But, okay, so, ew, okay. Thanks, Haley. Um, you know, we need to understand what Paul meant whenever he said that his life was being poured out. I think we need to understand the context and significance of that statement, because I don't know where your mind goes to whenever you think of pouring it out. I've 
saw some memes and things online, people saying, oh, I'm pouring one out for my homie. You ever seen that before? You ever heard of that before? Maybe you've done it. Maybe you've seen it in a movie before, right? Where people like, you know, just for example, you know, they, they, they have a loved one, a family member, a friend that passed away, and they go to their grave. They go to their tombstone, right? They have a case of beers or something. And they're just like, they bring right here, they crack one open, and they say, this one's for you, homie. I love you. I miss you. Uh, rest in peace, rip. You know, and they're just like pouring it out. I don't know. No offense if you've done that before, but I can imagine people in heaven like, what are you doing down there, dummy? No, I don't know. No offense if you've done that before. But, but whenever Paul is saying pouring it out, we need to understand the context and, and what he's trying to say. What Paul is referring to whenever he says, um, I'm being poured out as a drink offering unto God, he's referring to a tradition that had been carried on for, for thousands and thousands of years. It was an act of worship. It was an act of honor. It was an act of respect to, unto God. The first time we see a drink offering take place in Scripture is by Jacob. Jacob, whenever God changes Jacob's name to Israel, and Jacob, it says in that place where God changed his identity, he changed his name, that Jacob got a cup, he got a cup of oil and he poured it out unto God. Whenever animal sacrifices would take place um, in Scripture, the Jews would often accompany that animal sacrifice with a cup of wine that would be poured out unto God as an act of sacrifice and honor unto God. You know, at one point in King David's life, at one point in King David's life, he had said that he longed to drink from the wells of his hometown in Bethlehem. He said, I just want to drink. I want a cup of, of the water from my hometown in Bethlehem. But the problem was at that time, Bethlehem was being currently occupied by the enemy of God's people, the Philistines. But three mighty men of his, three mighty warriors heard David's request and plea, and they decided that without David knowing that they were going to risk their lives, they were going to break through enemy lines just to get David a cup of water. That's what I call some ride or die friends right there. Come on, I'm telling you what, sometimes all you need is three or four good friends in your corner. I would much rather have four quarters than a hundred pennies, right? Turn to the person next to you and say, sometimes all you need is three. They went out. They risked their lives, they, they got the water, they brought it to David, and imagine this, David says, it says in the scripture, that David had the cup of the, of the water from, from Bethlehem in his hand, and he, and he said, far be it from me, God, to drink or partake of this water, God, because this water isn't as precious as the blood of the men who brought it to me. So the scripture says that David poured it out as a drink offering unto God. I can imagine being one of his three friends like, what the heck, man? Like, I've risked my life for that cup, right? God can drink that. But David, his heart, he was a man after God's own heart. He wanted to please God and honor God. And if that's not powerful enough, I want you to think about this. During the Last Supper with Jesus, Jesus is surrounded by his disciples. And this is right before he's crucified, right before he pays the ultimate price on the cross. Uh, he pulls and he grabs a, a cup of wine and he holds it before his disciples. And he says, this cup represents the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement which carries my blood, which is being poured out as a sacrifice for you. Who's thankful that Jesus didn't hold anything back on the cross over 2,000 years ago? At one point when Jesus was in the garden, he said, 
God, if it be your will, let this cut pass from me. But not my will, God. Let your will be done. I came to tell you today that Jesus lived a life where he poured it all out. In the 33 and a half years of his ministry, three years of ministry, he poured every blood, all his blood, sweat, and, t- and tears, and everything out for you. He went through the beating. He went through carrying the cross, through the crucifixion, blood being shed, whipping, cursing, mocking him. The people had a decision. Are they going to choose Barabbas, the thug and rebel, or are they going to choose Jesus, the son of God, who was sinless and Jesus knew in his mind he knew that people couldn't take his life from him he knew that he had to lay it down he had to pour it all out so that way you can be saved you can be come on do we have any people in here that are thankful that Jesus poured it out like I said before I talk about God before I talk about us pouring out to God I want to talk about how God has called us to, to pour our lives out him. My first point this morning is this. God has poured into you. You know, they say that you can't pour out what hasn't been poured in. And I came to tell you today, I want you to realize that no matter who you are, no matter what people may classify you as or title you as, what position you may be in, who you are, what you do, um, whether you're a teacher at a school, you're a doctor at a hospital, you're a plumber for a company, you're a stay-at-home mom, you work at a plant, you work at a restaurant as a waiter. As a chef. I just want you to realize that God has poured something into you. And I want to show you what I mean by this example right here. Let's say that this cup right here represents you. Somebody say me. And this cup right here represents what God has poured into you. I was inspired to do this illustration after I saw a trend on social media, right, where people would, you know, act as God whenever he made them, and they would pour a certain amount of water into the cup, representing the different qualities or features, you know, that they have in life. Or, you know, I'll make fun of myself as an example. When God made Caleb, I can imagine him trying to figure out, am I going to give him high metabolism, or am I going to give him low metabolism, right? You know the people that, like, they can eat, like, you know, all the bread at the table, that's brought out, Texas Roadhouse, they can eat a gallon of ice cream, they can eat a whole cake, they can eat two pizzas, and the next day they don't gain one pound at all. But then sometimes there's people, you feel like you eat one Twinkie, and you gain one pound, and I don't know, I'm sure there's a way to maybe change your metabolism, some speed it up, but I felt like God was like, bleep, you know, some people have it so easy, and God was trying to figure out my hide, and I'm sure he was like, am I going to give him Bobby's genetics or Don's genetics for hide? Okay, and by the way, my mom's actually shorter than my dad. She just looks taller because of her hair and her high heels. <laughs> and thank God I got my mom's side because they have people over six foot tall. Otherwise, I'd be standing up here like this to you guys. But I'm not, sorry, Dad. Love you. He said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be gracious to him. He has lower metabolism. You know what? I'm going to give that boy something right here. And then whenever it came to my hair, I think God was trying to figure out, I'm going to give him so many calyx in his hair. That's going to require him to use so much hair gel in order for it to, st- I-, I can move right now. It's not moving, right? I felt like God was like, man, I'm going to make sure his cup is just running over with all that. Let's put more in there. Kids come up to me, can I touch your hair? I don't know. Somebody told me it looked like a cow licked me the other day because I had so much gel on my hair. I guess, oh, that's why they call it cow lick. Oh, yeah, anyways. But on a serious note, too, I want to say this. Be careful how much you criticize yourself, you criticize yourself and make fun of yourself when you look in the mirror. 
Because some of us are so negative when we make f- and we make fun of ourselves and, and we're serious. We, we may sound like we're joking, but we really don't like who we are and what God has given. If God wanted you to be taller, he would have made you ta- taller. If God wanted you to be a different race, or co- you would have been a different race or color. The Bible says that you are God's workmanship created for good works. So this isn't in my notes, but... Be careful when you criticize yourself because you're not just criticizing yourself, you're criticizing the one who created you. But on a serious note, here we are. This is you. What has God poured into you? For some of you, God has given you the natural ability to administrate, to organize, to delegate, and to manage. Others of you, you have a heart of a teacher to talk and explain things to people, maybe the natural ability to do business and make money. Others of you, you're, you're very creative. You're just naturally creative to draw and, and write and compose and make music. Maybe you're the extroverted type that isn't afraid to stand out and speak out and reach out to other people. You know, the Bible even says that each one of us have each been given a measure of faith. We have each been given a measure of faith. Maybe you have the gift of faith in your life to believe God for big things that other people otherwise wouldn't believe in God for. Maybe the gift of healing where you've prayed over people in the past that battled a sickness or disease or illness or cancer and you've seen God work and move and touch them through his spirit. Maybe the gift of prophecy, the word of knowledge where you can hear the voice of God and relate to other people in order to be an encouragement to other people. You just have that that discernment. You know, the Bible says, I'm talking about the gifts of the Spirit right now, too, because it's important we talk about it, because the gifts of the Spirit are still moving in the church today. And God says that he gives the gifts of the Spirit to each person as he chooses in order to edify and build the church. What has God poured into you? Something unique, something specific. What talent, what gift, what quality, what characteristic, what has God poured into you? And if you don't know the answer to that question, I want to encourage you to begin to pray and ask God to give you a direction, an indication, and ask him, God, what have you poured into my life? Because I came to tell you today that God has poured, and he wants to pour into you everything necessary in order to fulfill his plan, purpose, destiny, mandate over your life. What has God poured into you? And all throughout Scripture, we're, we're reminded and promised by God that, that he promises to pour into us. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and see if I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing so big that you won't have room to contain it. Do we have any blessed people in the building that know when you honor God, when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, everything else shall be added unto you. You can't outgive God. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17, in the upper room with the disciples, when the Spirit of God comes and they're waiting in the upper room and they're baptized by the Spirit, they begin to speak uh, in, in a new heavenly language in a tongue and people are passing by and they're questioning, they're skeptic of what's taking place. Like, what's going on up there? Maybe they're drunk or whatever. And, 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 and they begin to say all these things and Peter comes out with the boldness. He comes out and he begins to quote from the prophet Joel and he begins to explain to them and he preaches a message right there so powerful where 3,000 people are added to the church, the body of Christ, and they're baptized. And Peter tells them, he says, what you're seeing right now was predicted a long time ago by the prophet Joel where he said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. 
Who's thankful for the Spirit of God that has been poured into our lives, that the same Spirit that resurrected Jesus Christ from the grave lives and dwells inside of you? Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. That no matter where you go, you need to understand you accepted Jesus, that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not a tomb, you're not dead. You're a temple of the Holy Spirit. That wherever you go, guess what? God goes. You lay your head on the pillow at night, God is there. You go to work in the morning, you step into the office, guess what? God is there. You're traveling, guess what? God is there with you in that car. You go to the grocery store, guess what? God is there. The same spirit that resurrected Jesus lives and dwells on the inside of us. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, I love what Paul says in the book of Romans. He says, he says, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Why do I have a water hose with me this morning talking about God's love? Somebody say God's love. Because I want you to understand that God's love for you never, ever runs dry. That before you ever loved God, that he loved you. That nothing you can do can make God love you more or love you less. That God's love is unfailing. It's never ending. And guess what? God's love is overflowing out of your heart. And there's nothing that you can do. And for some of you, your cup is runneth over. Your cup is overflowing. God has been so good to you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he sent and he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, who's thankful for the love of God? God's love is not my love for God. It's God's love for me. There's something about God's love. So here you are. Here we are. And we're filled to the brim. And if you're saying to yourself, I'm empty. I have nothing to give to God. I have nothing to pour out. That is a lie straight from hell. And there's nothing that you can do to make God love you more or nothing that you can do to make God love you less. He loves you just the way you are, but then he's... God loves you too much to keep you the way that you are. God has poured out his spirit, blessings, forgiveness, favor, grace, love, mercy, gentleness, kindness, giftings, abilities, your mind, your intellect, knowledge, wisdom. God has poured into your life, and here we are right here. We've been poured into. God loves us. He forgave us, but now the question is this. What are we going to pour out to God? My second point for you this morning is this. What are you pouring out to God? Haley, you can go ahead and come up. Are there things in you that haven't yet been poured out, that God's put on your heart that you haven't yet poured out? You know, I'm reminded of a, of a famous saying that goes like this, a famous quote that goes like this. The wealthiest place on earth is not the diamond mines in South Africa. It's not the oil wells or oil fields in the Middle East. It isn't all the gold that's found in Fort Knox. The wealthiest place on earth is probably just right down your street. It's right down the road, and it's the graveyard, and it's the cemetery. Because in the graveyard, in the cemetery, there are dreams that were never fulfilled. There are books that were never written. There were songs that were never sung. 
There were sermons that were never preached. There were businesses that were never started. There was inventions that were never invented. There are ideas that never became a reality. And there are things that were never poured out. I think sometimes we live in life. Thanks for dealing with my voice this morning. I probably went too hard during first service, but... You know, I think sometimes we go through life and we act and live as if we have hundreds or thousands of years left on this earth to live, forgetting that, that eternity is coming, forgetting that the Bible says that life is just a vapor. It's here one day, it's gone, and we're not promised tomorrow, and heaven's coming, whether we realize it or not, eternity is coming. And could there be things in your life that God has poured into your life, and here we are. We hold back. We restrict, and forgetting that eternal souls are on the line. Your legacy is on the line. Your children, your family, your coworker, your friends. And we think about what people think about you know, us too much at times. We, we hold back. And what Paul was telling Timothy was this. He was saying, Timothy... Don't save nothing for this next life. Pour it all out. Pour every ounce of your being and self out. Give it all you got. Pour your blood, sweat, and tears into following after Jesus because one day you will step in eternity and your time will be up and you don't want to go to heaven carrying things inside of you that were meant to be poured out and have regret saying to yourself, I wish I would have done more. I wish I would have tried more. I wish I would have loved more. I wish I would have done this more. I should have. I could have. I would have. Why? I, I just held it all back. What Paul was saying was this. He's saying, Timothy, I'm pouring myself out. I've been poured out like a drink offering unto God. I gave it my all. I've preached. I've ministered. I've traveled. I've prayed, I've been persecuted, I've casted out demons, I've seen miracles, signs. Even right now, Peter, as I'm talking to you, as I'm writing to you, Timothy, as I'm writing to you, Timothy, I'm pouring myself out. Paul lived a life where he poured everything out unto God, and now it's our turn. Somebody say, pour it out. Pour it out. If you have a dream inside of you, pour it out. That God's given you a gift, a talent, a resource, an idea, an ability. You own, live every day like it's your last day. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Stop thinking about what other people think so much. Pour it out. If you have a book inside of you, pour it out. If you have a song inside of you, pour it out. If you play an instrument, pour it out. If you have a certain trade or trait, guess what? God can use it for, your, for his glory. Whether you're a contractor, whether you're a construction wor worker, do everything. Whatever you put your hand to, do it as unto God. Pour it out. Somebody say, pour it out. Love your children. Love your family. Love them. Care for them. Provide for them. Forgive anybody that you've been holding a grudge against. Don't go through life bitter. Forgive them. Reach out to other people. Be an encouragement to every person that you see. It's time that we begin to pour our lives out as a drink offering unto God. Yeah. 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 This is how we're supposed to be at the end of our life. Saying, God, I gave it all. 
I didn't hold nothing back. Jesus, you didn't hold nothing back from me. You didn't hold anything back, God. And I'm not going to hold anything back. Paul refers to us in Scripture in the same book in 2 Timothy. He refers to us as vessels. He refers to us as vessels God has poured into you. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're full of it and you don't even know it. You're full of it and you don't even know it. How are you going to forgive people? Because God first forgave you. How are you going to love people? Because God first loved you. It's not by might. It's not by strength. It's, it's not my, my, by my own ability. It's, it's by his spirit. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. You can do it. Don't give up. Don't be discouraged. Don't throw in the towel because you feel pressure and weight and you find yourself in a season of life where you just feel so low and down and depressed and discouraged. You know, in scripture, Jesus says, and he calls us in one of the translations, he says that we are like living wells that he wants to pour into our lives when he's at the woman of the well. Living wells. God wants to pour into your life. And you know what's interesting about a well? A well is simply a hole that's dug into the ground. And the lower that you go, the closer that you get to the water. And if you're feeling down, if you're feeling empty, and you're feeling discouraged, and you feel like you're in a low place, you find yourself in a hole. Can I tell you something? You're closer to the water than you've ever been before. God wants to pour into your life. And as you pour yourself out, God's going to pour into your life. This isn't even in my notes. I feel like God's speaking to somebody right now watching online. You know where fruit's produced? The, the fruit of the Spirit in our life? Like, you know, whenever you go to a mountaintop, you don't see fruit trees and everything, right? On the mountaintops, no. Fruit is grown in the valley. And if you feel like you're going through a valley season right now, people are coming against you, and just know that if God's for you, if God is for you, then who can be against you? There's no challenge. There's no devil. There's no difficulty too big. God wants to develop you in this season. God wants to pour into you. It's time for us to pour it out. Don't hold anything back from God. Come on, stand to your feet this morning. Here's my weekly challenge for you. Weekly challenge is pour into one person this week. What amazes me about the life of the Apostle Paul is he takes the time at the end of his life to pour into one individual. He pours into Timothy. And in the same way, I want to encourage you to find one person to be an encouragement to, to, to be a blessing to, to show that you love and you care. Pour into, this could be your family member. This could be your child. This could be your son. This could be your, pour out into them. Don't hold anything else back. Somebody say pour it out. Was anybody blessed by today's message? I pray and hope so. And I know it's different than what I normally do. I'm not just screaming at you guys or anything like that, but I pray it was. Here's, here's my closing thought for you. It's this. You weren't called to go to heaven full. You were called to go to heaven empty. What Paul was telling us is this. Don't just live for today. Don't just live for this temporary area, this, this earth. Live for eternity. Look forward to eternity. Eternity's coming. No, Paul was saying, I, I, got, I got a crown of righteousness waiting for me in heaven. I, I got a prize. I got a treasure in heaven. I don't just have treasures here on earth. No, I have treasures in heaven. And no, as you pour yourself out, know that God 
He sees you. He's seen what you've been sowing. And whatever a man soweth, that shall he reapeth. For God will not be mocked. Every time you pour it out, even if nobody else is around, things that you've had to sacrifice, things that you've had to give up, that sees that you so, just know that God sees exactly where you are at. And you have a reward. You have something in heaven to look forward to. And I want you to think about this. We've been talking about the life of the Apostle Paul. We've talked about his ministry. We've talked about his legacy. We've talked about how God did a work in his life. But I want you to think about this. Think about Paul's life after this earth. The moment that he took his last breath. The Bible says to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And I want you to imagine this. Paul finally being able to see the Jesus that he's been talking about and preaching about and ministering about. And the everything he gave his life where he's about to see Jesus face to face. Can you imagine him passing from this life to the next and about to walk through the pearling gates? Jesus is there. But I want you to think about this, the very same people that he had persecuted and killed and martyred being in there as well. And can you imagine those very same people seeing Peter when he walks in, seeing him off in the distance, probably thinking to himself, that guy made it in Paul is, like, Paul is coming in. He killed me. He killed my wife. He killed my children because he brought me into church. He did all this. My life was cut short. And you think that there would be like a, a riot in heaven, a protest in heaven. People are like, don't let Paul in. Don't let Paul in. He's a murderer. I don't know. Like, you think that would be so mad. But the Bible, Bible says that whenever one sinner comes to repentance, that all of heaven rejoices. And can you imagine, can you imagine those people seeing Paul clapping their hands, shouting, yelling, applauding, saying, welcome home, son. You finished the race. You kept the faith. You gave it your all. You poured it out and the angels are singing and Jesus is smiling because Paul lives a life where he poured it all out. Who wants to hear those words when we get, I feel God's presence so strong. God is real. Eternity is real. Eternity is too long to be wrong. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't say, I'm going to accept Jesus whenever I'm in my deathbed. Because don't you know that you're forfeiting prizes and treasures and rewards that God has for you in heaven. You don't have to wait for eternity to start living for Jesus and pouring it out. Don't live with regret. Go all in now. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Don't go halfway. Say, I'm giving my all for Jesus. Jesus gave his all for me. I'm going to give my all for him. I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to think about what other people think. I'm not going to throw in the towel. No, I'm going to follow after Jesus. Come on right now, let's worship. Sing it out. Before we go, I want us to pour out our worship unto God right now. Come on, worship him right now. Pour out your worship. Pour out your worship. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. We praise you. We praise you. We love you. Come on, right now. It's you and him.
I want to pray over you that God would give you the confidence, the faith, the endurance right now just to pour it out for him. That boldness, that strength that you need right now because when you give God your weakness, guess what? He gives you his strength. For whenever I am weak, I am strong. Right now in this moment, I want to pray over you and I'm going to give somebody an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, to accept the free gift of salvation. But every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to pray over you. Lord Jesus, I pray over every person, every individual underneath the sound of my voice right now, God. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to live a life where we pour everything out for you, God. I pray for a, a, a boldness. I pray for a courage. I pray for wisdom. I pray for a direction. When it comes to what we are called to pour out, what we are called to leave right now, Jesus, I pray over every individual, God, right now in Jesus' name. Let us live a life where we pour it all out for you. And somebody said, come on, somebody said amen. And I want to give somebody an opportunity to accept Jesus. And this is such a special, sacred moment. Nobody leave. Nobody go through the doors. Nobody go to all the desserts and everything that we have for you guys in the celebration area for the youth room. This is a moment where we give somebody an opportunity, an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Maybe you're in this building. Maybe you came with your mom. Maybe you came with your dad. And Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're by yourself right now and you haven't taken that first step. The Bible says that whenever we confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God rose him from the dead, that we shall be saved. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus did not come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Your good works won't save you. Your good deeds won't save you. Religion won't save you. A relationship with Jesus will. Trusting in him, putting your faith in him, saying, Jesus, I believe that you are who you said you are. You didn't come just as a good prophet. You didn't come just as a good man. You didn't come just, God, but you came as God in the flesh, the son of God. You are Lord. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's rededicate our hearts to God. Maybe you prayed this prayer a hundred times. I want you to pray it like it's your very first time. Maybe you're praying this prayer for the first time. We want to let you know you're not by yourself. God knows exactly where you're at. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for every one of my sins. I repent. I turn away from my wicked ways. I believe, Jesus, that you are Lord, that you died, and that you rose. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you liked what you heard, be sure to subscribe and share it with a friend. For more information about who we are, visit RiversideChurchTX.com.